Hello, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Ty, and welcome to Legends of Man, your weekly podcast on mythology, urban legends, and folklore. If you listened to the previous episodes, you probably know that today's episode is all about mythology, because I got a little pattern going on here. And I also know that if you're a big mythology lover, you would know that when it comes to the gods, they come in a variety of appearances, and some can even change their appearances at will. And that got me thinking, are there any stories in mythology where gods go out into the world in disguise? And the answer to that is a big no-brainer, especially in Norse mythology when you have Loki around. So sit back, relax, and listen to three stories I found about gods in disguise. One teaches you all about treating strangers with kindness, and the other has Thor dressing up as a woman. So with all the introduction out of the way, let's dive into the good stuff. The first one comes from Greek mythology. It all started because Zeus couldn't keep it in his pants. There was once a woman named Semele. She was a daughter of the hero Cadmus and the woman Harmonia, and she was also very beautiful. She was so beautiful, in fact, that she caught the attention of Zeus. They began to see each other regularly, and Semele eventually became pregnant. However, when Hera found out, she was displeased that her husband was unfaithful yet again, and she decided to end the fling immediately. She changed her form into that of an old woman and befriended Semele. They actually became such good friends that Semele told her about her relationship with Zeus. Hera then told her that if Zeus truly loved her, he would appear before her in her true form, like he does in front of his real wife. So the next time Zeus and Semele met, Zeus promised to answer any wish she had. And guess what she wished for? Semele acts as he Zeus in his true form. However, what she did not know is that mortals are never meant to see the gods in their true form. The energy release and the blinding light will lead straight to death, and that is exactly what happened to Semele. With no other choice, Zeus obliged and answered her wish. But before she died, Zeus took the unborn child and hid it in his thigh, and that child grew up to be Dionysus, the god of wine. On the bright side, is that when Dionysus grew into adulthood, he went to the underworld to retrieve his mother and actually brought her up on Mount Olympus. It must be pretty awkward if Hera and Semele actually bump into each other on Mount Olympus. Or do they do that thing girls do where they pretend to like each other but talk mad crap behind each other's backs? But dang, Hera actually swindled her into killing herself. She's a savage. What's that saying? There's nothing worse than a woman scorned? Lesson learned, never mess with Hera. The next story is from Norse mythology and actually comes from the book Norse Mythology written by Neil Gaiman. And it's actually a pretty good book. It's all about the retelling of Norse mythology stories in his own style of writing. And this story is titled Freya's Unusual Wedding and it goes as such. Thor, god of thunder, mightiest of all the Aesir, the strongest, the bravest, the most violent in battle was not entirely awake yet, but he had the feeling that something was wrong. He reached out a hand for his hammer, which he always kept within reach while he slept. He fumbled around with his eyes closed. He groped about, reaching for the comfortable and familiar shaft of his hammer. No hammer. Thor opened his eyes. He sat up. He stood up. He walked around the room. There was no hammer anywhere. His hammer was gone. Thor's hammer was called Molnir. It had been made for Thor by the dwarves Brock and Atri. 
It was one of the treasures of the gods. If Thor hit anything with it, that thing would be destroyed. If he threw the hammer at something, the hammer would never miss its target and would always fly back through the air and return to his hand. He could shrink the hammer down and hide it inside his shirt, and he could make it grow again. It was a perfect hammer in all things except one. It was slightly too short in the handle, which meant that Thor had to swing it in one hand. The hammer kept the gods of Asgard safe from all the dangers that menaced them and the world. Frost giants and ogres, trolls and monsters of every kind, all were frightened of Thor's hammer. Thor loved his hammer, and his hammer simply was not there. There are things Thor did when something went wrong. The first thing he did was ask Loki if something had happened, or if it was his fault. Thor pondered. He did not believe that even Loki would have dared to steal his hammer. So he did the next best thing he did when something went wrong, and he went to ask for Loki's advice. Loki was crafty. Loki would tell him what to do. Don't tell anyone, said Thor to Loki, but the hammer of the gods has been stolen. That, said Loki, making a face, is not good news. Let me see where I can find out. Loki went to Freya's hall. Freya was the most beautiful of all the gods. Her golden hair tumbled about her shoulders, and it glinted in the morning light. Around her neck, as gold and shining as her hair, glittered the necklace of the Brissings, made for Freya by dwarves far on the ground. I'd like to borrow your feathered cloak, said Loki, the one that lets you fly. Absolutely not, said Freya. That cloak is the most valuable thing I possess. It's more valuable than gold. I'm not having you wear it and going around and making mischief. Thor's hammer has been stolen, said Loki. I need to find it. I'll get you the cloak, said Freya. Loki put on the feathered cloak and he took to the air in falcon shape. He flew beyond Asgard. He flew deep into the land of the giants, looking for something unusual. Beneath him, Loki saw a huge grave mound and sitting on it, planting a dog collar, was the hugest, ugliest ogre of a giant he had ever seen. When the ogre saw Loki in falcon shape, he grinned a sharp-toothed grin and waved. What's up with the Azure, Loki? What's the news from the elves? And why have you come alone in the land of the giants? Loki landed beside the ogre. There's nothing but bad news from Asgard, and nothing but bad news from the elves. Really? said the ogre, and he chuckled to himself, as if he were extremely pleased with something he had done, and thought himself remarkably clever. Loki recognized that sort of chuckle. Sometimes he did it himself. Thor's hammer is missing, said Loki. Would you know anything about that? The ogre scratched his armpit, and he chuckled once more. I might, he admitted. Then he said, How's Freya? Is she as beautiful as they say? If you like that sort of thing, said Loki. Oh, I do, said the ogre. I do. There was another uncomfortable silence. The ogre put the dog collar down on a pile of dog collars and began to plot another. I have Thor's hammer, the ogre told Loki. I've hidden it so deep beneath the earth that nobody would ever find it, not even Odin. I'm the only one who could bring it up again, and I will return it to Thor if you bring me what I want. I can ransom the hammer, 
said Loki. I can bring you gold and amber. I can bring you treasures beyond counting. Don't want them, said the ogre. I want to marry Freya. Bring her here in eight days from now. I'll return the hammer of the gods as a bride gift on Freya's wedding night. Who are you? asked Loki. The ogre grinned and showed his crooked teeth. Why, Loki, son of Lafe, I am Thrym, Lord of the Ogres. I have no doubt that we can come to an arrangement, great Thrym, said Loki. He drew Freya's feathered cloak around him, then stretched his arms and took the disguise. Beneath Loki, the world seemed very small. He looked down at the trees and the mountains, tiny as children's playthings, and the problem of the gods seemed a small thing also. Thor was waiting for him in the court of the gods, and before Loki had even landed, he found himself seized by Thor's huge arms. Well, you know something. I see it in your face. Tell me whatever you know, and tell it now. I don't trust you, Loki, and I want to know what you know right this moment, before you had a chance to plot and to plan. Loki, who plotted and planned as easily as other folks breathe in and out, smiled at Thor's anger and innocence. Your hammer has been stolen by Thrym, lord of all the ogres, he said. I have persuaded him to return it to you, but he demands a price. Fair enough, said Thor. What's the price? Freya's hand in marriage. He just wants her hand? Asked Thor hopefully. She had two hands after all, and might be persuaded to give one of them up without too much of an argument. Tear had, after all. All of her, said Loki. He wants to marry her. Oh, said Thor. She won't like that. Well, you can tell the news. You're better at persuading people to do things than I am when I'm not holding my hammer. They went together to Freya's court once more. Here's her feathered cloak, said Loki. Thank you, said Freya. Did you find out who stole Thor's hammer? Thrym, Lord of the Ogres. I've heard of him. A nasty piece of work. What does he want for it? You, said Loki. He wants to marry you. Freya nodded. Thor was pleased that she seemed to have accepted the idea so easily. Put on your bridal growl, Freya, and pack your things, he said. You and Loki are going to the land of the giants. We need to get you married off to Thrym before he changes his mind. I want my hammer. Freya did not say anything. Thor noticed that the ground was shaking, as were the walls. Freya's cats hissed, and they fled beneath a chest of furs and would not come out. Freya's hands were squeezed into tight fists. The necklace of the brissings tumbled from her neck to the floor. She did not appear to notice. She was staring at Loki and Thor as if they were the lowest, most unpleasant vermin she had ever seen. Thor was almost relieved when Freya began to speak. What kind of person do you think I am? She asked quietly. Do you think I'm that foolish, that disposable, that I'm someone who would actually marry an ogre just to get you out of trouble? If you two think that I'm going to the land of the giants, that I'll put on a bridal crown and veil and submit to the touch and to the lust of that ogre that I'd marry him. Well, she stopped talking. The walls shuddered once more and Thor feared the entire building would fall upon them. Get out, said Freya. What kind of woman do you think I am? But, but my hammer, said Thor. Shut up, Thor, 
said Loki. Thor shut up. They left. She's very beautiful when she's angry, said Thor. You can see why the ogre wants to marry her. Shut up, Thor, said Loki again. They called the gathering all the gods in the great hall. Every god and goddess was there except Freya, who declined to leave her house. All day they talked, debated, and argued. There was no question that they needed to get Molnir back. But how? Each god and goddess made a suggestion, and each suggestion was shut down by Loki. In the end, only one god had not spoken. Heimdall, the far-seeing, who watches over the world. Not one thing happens that Heimdall does not see, and sometimes he sees events that have yet to occur in the world. Well, said Loki, what about you, Heimdall? Do you have any suggestions? I do, said Heimdall, but you won't like it. Thor banged his fist upon the table. It does not matter whether or not we like it, he said. We are gods. There is nothing that any of us gather here would not do to get back Molnir, the hammer of the gods. Tell us your idea, and if it's a good idea, we will like it. You won't like it, said Heimdall. We will like it, said Thor. Well, said Heimdall, I think we should dress Thor as a bride, have him put on the necklace of the Brissings, have him wear a bridal crown, stuff his dress so he looks like a woman, feel his face, We'll have him wear keys that jingle, as women do, draping with jewels. I don't like it, said Thor. People will think, well, for a start, they'll think I dress up in women's clothes. Absolutely out of the question. I don't like it. I'm definitely not going to be wearing a bridal veil. None of us like the idea, do we? Terrible, terrible idea. I've got a beard. I can't shave off my beard. Shut up, Thor, said Loki, son of Lafe. It's an excellent idea. If you don't want the giants to invade Asgard, you will put on a wedding veil, which will hide your face and your beard. Odin, the All-Highest, said, It is indeed an excellent idea. Well done, Heimdall. We need the hammer back, and this is the best way. Goddesses, prepare Thor for his wedding night. The goddesses brought him things to wear. Frigg and Fulla, Sif, Indan, and the rest, even Skadi, Freya's stepmother came and helped to prepare him. They dressed him in the finest clothes, the kind a high-born goddess would wear to a wedding. Frigg went to see Freya and came back with the necklace of the Brissings, and she hung it about Thor's neck. Sif, Thor's wife, hung her keys at Thor's side. Idun brought all her jewels, which she draped about Thor so that he glittered and gleamed in the candlelight. And she brought a hundred rings of red gold and white gold to put on Thor's fingers. They covered his face with a veil, so that only his eyes could be seen. And Var, the goddess of marriage, placed a shining headdress upon Thor's head, a bridal crown, high and wide and beautiful. I'm not sure about his eyes, Var said. They don't look very feminine. I should hope not, muttered Thor. Var looked at Thor. If I pull down the headdress, it will hide them, but he still has to be able to see. Do your best, said Loki, and then he said, I'll be your maidservant, and go with you to the land of the giants. Loki shifted his shape, and now he was, in voice and in appearance, a beautiful young servant woman. There, how do I look? Thor muttered something under his breath, but it might have been a good thing that nobody could hear it. 
Loki and Thor clambered into Thor's chariot, and the goats who pulled it, Snarler and Grinder, leapt into the skies, eager to be off. Mountains broke in half as they passed, and the earth burst into flames beneath them. I have a bad feeling about this, said Thor. Don't speak, said Loki in the form of a maiden. Let me do all the talking. Can you remember that? If you speak, you may ruin everything. Thor grunted. They landed in the courtyard. Giant-sized jet-black oxen stood impassively. Each beast was larger than the house. The tips of their horns were caped with gold, and the courtyard stank with the sharp smell of their dung. A booming voice could be heard from inside the huge high hall. Move it, you fools. Spread clean straw on the benches. What do you think you're doing? Well, pick it up or cover it with straw. Don't just leave it there at the rot. This is Freya, the most beautiful creature in existence. She won't want to see something like that. There's a path made of fresh straw through the courtyard, and after leaving their chariot, walked across the straw, lifting their skirts so they did not drag it in the muck. A giant woman was waiting for them. She introduced herself as Thrym's sister, and she reached down and pinched Loki's pretty cheek between her fingertips, and she prodded Thor with a giant fingernail. So, this is the most beautiful woman in the world? Doesn't look like much to me. And when she picked up her skirts, it seemed to me that her ankles were as thick as small tree trunks. A trick of the light. She is the most beautiful of all the gods, said the maiden who was Loki smoothly. When her veil comes off, I promise you will be struck down by her beauty. Now, where is her groom? Where is the wedding feast? She is so eager for this, I have barely been able to restrain her. The sun was setting as they were led into the great hall for the wedding. What if he wants me to sit next to him? whispered Thor to Loki. You have to sit next to him. That's where the bride sits. But he might try and put his hand on my leg, Thor whispered urgently. I'll sit between you, said Loki. I'll tell him it's our custom. Thrym sat at the head of the table, and Loki sat next to him, with Thor at the next seat on the bench. Thrym clapped his hands, and giant serving men came in. They carried five whole roast oxen. Enough to feed the giants. They brought in twenty whole baked salmon, each fish the size of a ten-year-old boy. Also, they carried in dozens of trays of little pastries and fancies intended for the woman. They were followed by five more serving men, each one carrying a whole cast of mead, a barrel huge enough that each giant struggled beneath the weight of it. This is the meal for the beautiful Freya, said Thrym, and he might have continued but Thor had already started to eat and to drink. It would have been rude for Thrym to have talked while the bride-to-be was eating. A tray of pastries for the woman folk was placed in front of Loki and Thor. Loki carefully picked up the smallest pastry. Thor, just as carefully, swept the rest of the pastries up, and they vanished, to the sound of munching under the veil. The other woman, who had been looking at the pastries hungrily, glared disappointed at the beautiful Freya. But the beautiful Freya had not even begun to eat. Thor ate a whole oxen, all by himself. He ate seven entire salmon, leaving nothing but the bones. Each time a tray of pastries was brought to him, he devoured all the fancies and pastries on it, leaving all the other women hungry. Sometimes Loki would kick him under the table, but Thor ignored every kick and just kept eating.
Frim taps Loki on the shoulder. Excuse me, he said, but the lovely Freya has just polished off her third cast of meat. I'm sure she has, said the maiden, who is Loki. Amazing. I never seen a woman eat so ravenously. Never seen any woman eat so much or drink so much meat. There is, said Loki, an obvious explanation. He took a deep breath and watched Thor inhale another whole salmon and pull a salmon skeleton out from under his veil. It was like watching a magic trick. He wondered what the obvious explanation was. That makes eight salmon she's eating, said Thrym. Eight days and eight nights, said Loki suddenly. She hasn't eaten for eight days and eight nights. She was so keen to come to the land of giants and make love to her new husband. Now she's in your presence. She's finally eating again. The maiden turned to Thor. It's so good to see you eating again, my dear, she said. Thor glared at Loki from beneath the veil. I should kiss her, said Thrym. I wouldn't advise it. Not yet, said Loki. But Thrym had already leaned over and was making kissing noises. With one huge hand, he reached for Thor's veil. The maiden who was Loki put out her arm to stop him, but it was too late. Thrym had already stopped making kissing noises and had sprung back, shaken. Thrym tapped the maiden who was Loki on the shoulder. Can I talk with you? He said. Of course. They got up and walked across the hall. Why are Freya's eyes so, so terrifying? Asked Thrym. It seemed as if there was a fire burning inside them. Those weren't the eyes of a beautiful woman. Of course not, said the maiden who was Loki smoothly. You wouldn't expect them to be. She hasn't slept for eight days and eight nights, mighty Thrym. She was so consumed by love for you that she dared not sleep. She was so mad to taste your love. She's burning up inside for you. That's what you're seeing in those eyes. Burning passion. Oh, said Thrym. I see. He smiled and licked his lips with a tongue bigger than a human pillow. Well then, they walked back to the table. Thrym's sister had sat down in Loki's seat beside Thor and was tapping her fingernails on Thor's hand. If you know it's good for you, you'll give me your rings, she was saying. All your pretty golden rings. You'll be a stranger in this castle. You'll need someone looking out for you. Otherwise, things are going to get pretty nasty so far from home. You've got so many rings. Give me some as a bridal gift. So pretty they are, all red and gold. Isn't it time for the wedding? asked Loki. It is, said Thrym. He boomed at the top of his voice. Bring in the hammer to sanctify the bride. I want to see Molnir placed on the beautiful Freya's lap. Let Var, the goddess of pledges between men and women, bless and sanctify our love. It took four giants to carry Thor hammer. They brought it in from deep inside the hall. It glinted dully in the firelight. With difficulty, they placed it in Thor's lap. Now, said Thrym. Now, let me hear your beautiful voice, my love. My dove, my sweetness. Tell me that you love me. Tell me that you will be my bride. Tell me that you pledge yourself to me as women have pledged themselves to men, and men to women, since the beginning of time. What do you say? Thor held the shaft of his hammer with a hand that was covered with golden rings. He squeezed it reassuringly. It felt familiar and comfortable in his hand. He started laughing then, a deep, booming laugh. What I say, said Thor, in a voice like thunder. 
is that you should have not taken my hammer. He hit Thrym with his hammer, only once, but once was all that it took. The ogre fell to the straw-covered floor and did not rise again. All the giants and ogres fell beneath Thor's hammer, the guests at the wedding that was never meant to be. Even Thrym's sister, who received the bridal gift she had not been expecting. And when the hall was silent, Thor called, Loki. Loki climbed out from under the table in his original shape and surveyed the carnage. Well, he said, you appear to have dealt with the problem. Thor was already taking off his woman's skirts with relief. He stood there, wearing nothing but a shirt in the room filled with dead giants. There, that wasn't as bad as I feared, he said cheerfully. I've got my hammer back and had a good dinner. Let's go home. The last and final story comes from Greek mythology again, and it's titled Bosses and Philemon. So, when you're Zeus and you're not being a playboy or eating ambrosia or drinking nectar out on Mount Olympus, what do you do? When you're a god of such power, what can entertain you? Why, go down to the mortal realm and test mankind's hospitality, of course. So Zeus met up with Hermes, the messenger of the gods, and they went down to a nearby settlement. They knocked on each door, asking for lodging and some food and water. Each time they were rejected, from the rich all the way to the middle class, until they stumbled upon a small cottage. They approached the run-down building and knocked on a shabby door, and was greeted by an old couple. They welcomed the gods into disguise into their home. The wife's name was Bossus, and the husband's name was Philemon. They made sure that their guests were completely comfortable by fixing any wobbly tables in the house or offering them some wine and stew as well. However, Philemon noticed something. Each time they were filled with guests' cups, the wine inside the pot never went down. The revelation hit them that they were in the presence of the gods. They got on their knees and began to worship them and even offered a goose that was inside their yard for them. When Philemon went out to chase the goose, he could not catch him, no matter how fast he ran. The goose then made its way inside the cottage and ran to Zeus's lap. The gods calmed them down and told them that they are not here to punish them, but reward them in fact, because Zeus had planned to get rid of this settlement because of how it treated poor strangers. They escorted the couple out of their house and led them from the community and told them to look around. When the two looked around, they noticed that the settlement was gone and replaced by a large lake, and where their house once was, stood a large marble temple. Zeus then offered them a wish for their kindness as well. After some consideration, the couple decided that they wanted to be Zeus's priests, and also wished that if one of them died, the other one would die as well. Time passed, and they fulfilled their duty as Zeus's priests faithfully, and when they finally died, where their bodies once were, stood two tall trees standing side by side. Pretty wholesome story, don't you think? It teaches you how to treat the poor stranger, because you never know, they might be gods in disguise. And with all the stories I had for you gone, it's time to move into the closing thoughts. I really like it when the gods disguise themselves as humans and walk about the mortal realm. It's always interesting when the people they're communicating with find out they're actually gods. Well, I hope you liked this episode. 
If you want to listen to previous episodes of the podcast, you can check them out on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and even SoundCloud, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you enjoyed listening, favorite, follow, rate it, and more. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you have a wonderful day. See ya.